Good afternoon. I was thinking back when my father used to, he would go out in his, I think it was a Dodge Dart or Plymouth Valiant, and he would listen to the broadcast, the uh, World Tomorrow program, and a lot of times late at night. I mean, that program came on several times during the day, but a lot of times you'd see him out there at night, and he'd be listening to the broadcast the, uh, of the Church of God. And uh, he was very interested and, and listened to it a lot. I can remember driving, uh, I guess, down home or something like that and picking it up on, of course, AM. They were listening to it on AM radio. <clears throat> and one of the questions, I, I don't know how long my father, as far as listened to the program and was interested in the church. I think it was many, many years, actually. But one of the questions that he always had was, how will I know, you know, when I need to, how, how do I know that God is calling me? Uh, how will I know that, you know, this is the time I need to be baptized? It was always that question, you know, how will I know? And it was later toward the end of his life, he was uh, diagnosed with, uh, he knew something was wrong. He started losing weight. He had pain in his arm. And uh, he knew something was wrong. And I think eventually he was diagnosed with cancer. And it was, I guess that was somewhat of a motivation there to go ahead with that decision. Okay, I want to be baptized. And I've always thought about this. I never brought this up, you know, to my mother or or anything like that, but I guess now that they're both gone, I, 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 can, I can say this, but I always thought about the question, did my father have enough time to change? Did he have enough time to change? In other words, what is God's agenda all about? Uh, what, is, you know, what is it that God wants from us when he calls us, when we come into his church? Is it just to save us? Or is there something else God is working toward? Well, we know the answer to that. I mean, God wants to, to change us. And it is, the title of this message is The Change Factor. Now, I'm not worried about my father. I mean, as far as that goes, I'm not worried about whether, either way, it doesn't really matter to me, whether it's the first resurrection or the second resurrection. I know I will see him again. But the question, and maybe you've known of people like this also, where sort of like deathbed repentance, at the last minute a decision is made, did they have enough time to change? The change factor. Now, it seems to me that most religions almost go into a mode of denying the change factor. You don't really hear about what God is doing. Of course, most don't know what God is doing, that God is creating man in his image and likeness. And so, since people are aloof, aloof to that, that concept, well, what do you need to change for? I mean, change what? Change, I mean, I just need to get myself saved. So, I think a lot of religions almost either overlook or deny this change factor. But in Acts 3 and verse 19, Acts 3 and verse 19, it tells us, Acts 3 and verse 19, it says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted. So it's a couple things there that is mentioned. One is, is repent. That's Acts 3 and verse 19. Repent and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Now notice that. It's a couple things. Repent, but also be converted so that your sins can be blotted out. 
when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So to repent, to be converted. And the word converted means to revert, to turn around, to reverse. Uh, you know, that, that your sins may be blotted out. It's a, it's a U-turn. You know, it's changing your direction. It's going in a different direction. Conversion. <clears throat> repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So when God calls us, there is a season called conversion that we go through. And that season, well, it, it what? It lasts a lifetime, does it not? That season of, of conversion, of changing, of getting closer to God. It is what I call the change factor. It's a process. It's a process that takes a lifetime. It's always, you know, someone once said it, that when God calls you, you enter into the salvation process room. The salvation, it's a room you enter into. The salvation process room. It's a process that we're going through. And so the calling of God, I, I do believe that there is a, a window of opportunity when God calls a person. Then that window may not always be open for a person. And the illusion that I will put this off, I will wait until, you know, I kick the bucket or whatever. Or when I get close to kicking the bucket, I will make a decision. It sort of goes contrary to what, God, what we know God is trying to do with us. He wants us to change. Now, I'm going to look at a lot of scriptures here, but just it's, it's a statement that's over and over again. Revelation 2 and verse 7. We'll go through these, these passages in Revelation. I'm breaking into the middle of these verses. But you know the verses that I'm reply, uh, uh, referring to. Revelation 2 and verse 7. It says in the middle of that passage, it says, To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life. What is it that God wants from you? What, is it, what does he want from me? He wants us to be an overcomer. He wants us to change the man in the mirror. To change that person. Revelation 2 and verse 11. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Revelation 2 and verse 17. In the middle of the passage there. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. Revelation 2 and verse 26. And he that overcometh and keeps my works unto the end. To him will I give power over the nations. And I think it was Ron Dart that, that used that word as the winner. The overcomer. You know, born to win, that's where he got the concept from, the overcomer. The winners will achieve these things. Okay, winners of what? What are we, what is, what it's, you know, what is there to lose, what is there to win? Uh, he that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. Revelation 3 and verse 5. Revelation 3 and verse 12. He that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. Revelation 3 and verse 21. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame. So here we have Christ who says, you know, I'm not expecting something of you that I didn't do. I had to be an overcomer also. Which that, that in itself is sometimes hard to understand. What did Christ have to overcome? Well, you know, it's like this. What's easier to do? Is it easier to be tempted and yield to the temptation, or is it easier... To never yield to the temptation at all. Christ never yielded to it. The temptation. That is more difficult. And in that sense he had to be, you know, to overcome that. 
It's easy for us to, you know, yield to a temptation and then ask for forgiveness. We're good at that. But Christ never yielded to the temptation. That's tough. That's tough, and that's what qualifies him to be our Savior. Revelation 21, verse 7, says, He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. There's a family term. He's going to be my son. Mike talked about the family of God a little bit. And uh, you see these illustrations throughout the Bible, the family system. He's going to be my son. Now, you know, you cannot be an overcomer through deathbed repentance. What God is after uh, <clears throat> is change. And I wonder sometimes, I, I know this is not true of us, but I see a lot of people just wanting to get saved. I just want to get myself saved. And beyond that, I'm really not interested in much. C.S. Lewis talked about, you know, this transformation. He said it's like inviting God into your house to redo the plumbing. And said, before you know it, he's tearing down walls. He's, he's, he's got a wrecking crane in there tearing your whole house down, and he's building a mansion that you didn't even ask for. Well, why is he doing that? Well, because he's going to live in it. Because he's going to live in it. Yeah, God will help you with that addiction. Let's say a, a simple something like a smoking addiction. But God doesn't stop there. It's not, that's, it's, it, that's not enough. He wants total transformation to change us. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16 <clears throat> says this. I always like this verse, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16. Because it reveals a process that is going on in our lives. Conversion. A, a lifelong process. For which cause we faint not, but though the outward man perishes... And we don't like that. You look in the mirror and you think, this thing is perishing. Perishing. I am perishing or whatever. I'm coming apart. <laughs> but that's just it. I mean, that's, that's the way life is. Yet, the inward man, what others, you know, that spirit that has united with your spirit, God's spiritual DNA that is now, that you've received, and that is creating something new inside of you, a new creature in Christ. The inward man is renewed day by day. So when we think about this, where does, you know, the concept of deathbed repentance. Constantine believed in deathbed repentance. His theory was he would wait until he's about to die. And it, what his concern was, he knew if he did it early in life, he would sin again. You know, well, don't we all know that, don't we? <laughs> That's why we have a Savior. But his idea was, if I can just wait to that last moment, I can, you know, get myself saved, and I won't sin anymore. That was his theory, how he worked it. But, you know, it's, it's simply not true. The concept of a sinner's prayer. You ever heard that? You know, I, this person, you know, you got a person in the hospital, got tubes running out of his body, he's about to die, minister comes by, and he gets saved. I've heard people rejoice in that. And, you know, okay, that's okay if they want to believe that. But I don't necessarily, I, I understand what God is working, that the change factor. I never realized how powerful this concept was uh, until I was watching a movie. Uh, this woman gets hit by a vehicle, and she's dying. And she calls for a Catholic priest to come by. 
And the Catholic priest t- sort of holds her in his arm and says this, this prayer. And it's, and it's the idea, okay, at the last, my last breath, I got myself saved. It's, it's, a, it's a concept that people have in their heads. But it flies in the face of everything God is doing. To me, it does. It's not a biblical concept. We have to understand what God is doing through mankind. And God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. How long would this take to do this, you know, to make man in, our, in, in his image and in his likeness? Well, it takes a lifetime. You know, God is a family. He's creating children in his image. Children in his, in his image. If you compare it to the physical family, you know, your children, you know, they make mistakes, they say, I'm sorry, they, and as they get old, you know, you got the rebellious teen years that you have to sort of tolerate all that, and, but hopefully as they mature, you see some changes taking place. Well, how long does that take? Well, it takes a lifetime, it takes a lifetime, and so it is true of us. Jesus said, no man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And the idea that, well, I'm just going to live my life for myself, and when I'm old, I'll get some religion, and I'll say the sinner's prayer. I don't know what I would do if someone asked me. Uh, hopefully no one out, outside the church would ask me, but I've been asked outside the church to, to do weddings and funerals, even also outside of the church. So it always bothers me because what I'm dealing with is that people don't understand a thing about my faith, and they're asking me to, you know, do a funeral. And they're thinking heaven. I'm not thinking heaven. I'm thinking resurrection. You know. And even weddings, you know, I, I would much rather, you know, I think it was Ron Dart that said that he didn't do weddings and that um, anymore, or at least something like that. But what he recommended is some type of marriage covenant that two people have to go through first. That, that was it. He, you had to do the marriage covenant thing before he would even agree. To, to perform the wedding. That was it, yeah. I'm getting my story mixed up there. But, you know, I've had, I've had marriages fail, you know. It didn't last long. And, I, and when I first got into it, I thought I had marriage counseling that they would, I would send out by mail. And, you know, they would always answer the questions right, by the way. They, <laughs> every, everyone, they got it right. And I thought, okay, this is going to work. No, it doesn't work. So there's a lot, you know, there's a lot to that. A lot to that. A lot of things I think we don't even understand or can't see. But anyway, <clears throat> if someone came to me and said, look, I, uh, you know, I'm dying. I want you to, to, to you know, say the sinner's prayer. I would have to say, it's, look, it's a little too, too late to do the right thing now. <laughs> that might not be a, a good answer. But it's sort of how, you know, from God's perspective, it takes time to him that overcometh. We have to understand what God is after. God is not, he does not want to have a soul factory where you get yourself saved, you flit off to heaven, and that's it. You retire for all eternity. If that was the real, if that was true, then I could see saying a sinner's prayer. Because there's nothing after your life. If all you do is just gaze into the master's eyes and just, you know, dine on milk and honey and and, and just, just live your life forever. But we know God is up to more than that. God is creating a family and, and is planning on expanding that family by billions. Hebrews 10 and verse 38. Hebrews 10 and verse 38. 
He says, now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. That's Hebrews 10 and verse 38. Hebrews 10 and verse 38. Notice that. That's sort of a, a statement that ought to... It's a fearful thing to fall into the hand of the living God. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul has no pleasure in him. There are people that God has no pleasure in. Who are those people? Well, this is what says that anyone draws back. Wavering, unsure, start and then stop. Never finish anything. I better quit, quit that list because I'm starting to describe myself there now, <laughs> in some aspect. Uh, I've got a few jobs that I haven't finished yet around the house. But uh, <laughs> can't make a decision. Can't make a decision. Wavering. Well, all that. Okay. What? <laughs> I'm describing everybody right now. Okay. <laughs> all right. What Jesus said about the change factor. There is this internal change that God is after. And I've always been fascinated with this scripture, Matthew 5 and verse 20. He's speaking to the Pharisees. He says this, he says, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you're not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now you think about this. How could Jesus say this? These people were meticulous, you know, at, at everything, at tithing, you know, the mint bush, whatever. Nine for me, one for God. Nine for me, one for God. You know, they, they, they went through the letter of the law. They had the oral law. And they had all the do's and don'ts. They could tell you everything that was permissible on the Sabbath. But the bottom line of what Jesus is talking about is a, a spiritual level of keeping the law. And that versus a physical level. You know, spiritual is what goes on between the ears, what you think about. Um, you know, there were people who achieved this physical level of law-keeping, but they're not going to be in the kingdom of God. It's, um, and I, I, I believe that, really, that the carnal mind can achieve a certain type of righteousness at, at, at the, at the um, physical level, that a person can say, at the physical level, I've never cheated on my wife. And, and it'd be true. I've never killed anybody. But we come back to, you know, what goes on between the ears, the, the, phys, the uh, spiritual level of the law. This is what God is after. This is the higher level of the law that God is after. That, uh, that makes a person complete in the way that he thinks or what's going on in his mind. You know, I've never killed anybody. But, you know, a person can have anger of the mind. I've never committed adultery, but they have lust that goes on in the mind. This is what God wants us to conquer these, and to come to the spiritual level of keeping God's law, what goes on between the ears. And that's tough, is it not? It's very tough to do that. Because you're always bombarded by temptation and thoughts. You ever had a thought that comes into your mind and you think, where did that come from? It's like out of nowhere. It's like a, you know, a diabolical assault. I, I actually wondered if there isn't, you know, maybe if there isn't places that you could drive through that it's more di uh, uh, demonic activity going on. Because sometimes you think, you know, where did that come from? 
Maybe it's an evil spell on the road or an evil, you know, area that you drive through and it's just more powerful. I don't get it, you know, because <clears throat> it, it's unreal. But you don't know what's going on behind the scenes, do you? The spirit world. You really don't know what's going on. You can't see it. That's the reason you don't know what's going on. But if you could see it, it would, you'd be amazed, I believe. Now, when it comes to God's law, what level are you focused on? The physical or the spiritual level of God's law? You know, physical level people say, I have mastered. Spiritual level people say, I have yet to master. It's a process. It's a process of mastering the spiritual level. And I've I've thought about this. I I understand where self-righteousness comes from now. Because people keeping the law at the physical level who say, I have mastered this, That's the reason they feel self-righteous, because they feel like, I have achieved this. I am doing this. I am keeping the letter of the law, which that's probably where the self-righteousness comes from. They have achieved. But on that spiritual level, it's always out in front of you. I have yet to master. You are to be an overcomer, a winner, but that's a process, overcoming and winning in life. One step at a time, one day at a time. Now, do we think at baptism we achieve this, this spiritual level of the law? No, the journey has just begun at baptism. It's just begun. What does it take to, uh, to achieve that spiritual level? It takes the Spirit of God. It takes God's spiritual DNA that we receive at baptism. And I come back to this, for which cause we faint not, but though the outward man perishes, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Day by day. It's a process. It's a process. Repent, therefore, ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. So I mentioned... You know, I started out with talking about my father who waited until he had like a death threat. Now, I know that there are exceptions, uh, exceptions. You know, people could say, well, what about the thief on the cross? He didn't have any time to change. There are exceptions. I understand that. But if we look at the model of the way God works, God wants to create change within us human beings. What God values the most is a changed life. It's more than just raising your hand. It's more than just a confession. It's more than just a decision. It's more than just baptism. Baptism is just a starting point. It's just a starting point. No man who has set his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I'm looking at the man in the mirror. I'm, I'm not going to tell you who that's from. But I'm, I'm asking him to change his way. And nothing could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make that change. A better world is what we want. How will a better world come about? Well, one person at a time. One person at a time who has the Spirit of God. Who has the Spirit of God. The change factor. The internal change factor, not just the external change, as we saw with the Pharisees. Because except your righteousness exceeds their righteousness, you're not even going to be in the kingdom of God. They had a type of righteousness. 
but it wasn't internal. It was just external. Now, I sort of think that, you know, with a lot of mainstream Christianity, that sometimes the concern is about names on a list, how many people are in church. It's not about change that much. Why? Well, names on the list, people in church, that increases the revenue. But um, it's more about an internal change factor, the thing that God is really concerned about. I want to conclude with this verse, something Jesus said. Matthew 18 and verse 3. It's a powerful concept of the type of change that God wants from us. And I want you to think about it. I mean, think back when you were a little child. You know, what happened to you is you lost your innocence. You lost your innocence by a series of steps and roads that you traveled down. (coughs) Matthew 18 and verse 3, And he said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you're not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And you think about coming back to a childlike stage. You know, that takes time. I mean, think about as a child, here you were, and you, you know, they call it growing up, they call it, you know, maturity, but you developed and you, you know, you went out and out and out, and then God calls you, and now you're coming back to a little child. You know, the innocence of a little child. Uh, The change factor. That takes time to do that. It takes time. How long did it take you to develop, you know, until the point that God called you? You developed all kinds of, you know, maybe addictions, or thing, roads that you went down that were wrong. That took a long time to develop to that point. And now you've got to come back to that innocence of a child. Coming back to little children. <clears throat> so, uh, don't lose heart. Uh, don't lose hope. Keep the faith that uh, God will complete what he has started inside of you.